Welcome to the Advisor Insight Podcast, where we provide informative, insightful content for financial advisors and planners to help you grow and develop your business, your knowledge, and your client base. Today's episode focuses on an area that almost every financial advisor and planner uses to grow their business, consciously or not. We're going to be talking about how to get more clients through referrals and how to be more effective and planned in doing so. I'm very pleased to be joined today by Phil Bedford, Phil is a coach, trainer, and business consultant, and is a leading expert in referral marketing. He's also a speaker and author, regularly delivering keynote addresses, both in the UAE and internationally. His book, Kiss the Rebel, reached number one international bestseller status on Amazon. Phil, thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm super. Thanks, Andrew. Great to be here, and hi to anyone who's listening. Um, Just to get us started, Phil... Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background, what you do, and, and how you got into this side of things? Okay, so, I, um, oh, blimey, how long we got? So <laughs> Sorry, in, that was a, a bit of a... <laughs> in, in a nutshell, I'd say, um, actually, I, I um, first of all, I left school with pretty much no qualifications. Uh, so for anyone saying you have to be qualified in life to get anywhere, not necessarily the case. <laughs> so I kind of failed, but I ended up putting myself back through college, uh, washing up dishes and all that. Uh, long story short, uh, I ended up uh, graduating with a master's degree in civil engineering and moving out to the UAE, uh, but I immediately fell into, because I couldn't get a job, I immediately fell into recruitment. And recruitment, very much like financial services, is heavily sales-driven, numbers-driven, you know, very professional in, in you know, the way people present themselves in the business itself. So very similar in that aspect. So I spent five years there and then moved to the UAE. So in the UAE... Uh, five years in the exhibition stand industry and five years in real estate. And the interesting thing was in all these professions, uh, at some point in time, I was the top salesperson for a majority of my, my time there. Uh, and the interesting thing is <laughs> I'd never done sales training. Right. Okay. And being the top salesperson, I didn't really understand how I was doing it or why I was the top salesperson. Uh, until a number of years later in, in Dubai, I got introduced to a networking group called BNI. And then I suddenly realized, ah, I've been doing networking. <laughs> I've been getting all my business through referrals from people around me, from things I developed in my, my social life. I realized I've been networking. Do, so, do you think, sorry to interrupt, but do you think you were doing so well because you weren't selling or you weren't actively and consciously selling because Often people don't like to be sold to. Um, and a lot of our advisors will, uh, who are listening will be focusing on providing value and trying to demonstrate value to their clients and perhaps not actively s- sort of selling. And do you think that's perhaps why, why you did so well? Well, first of all, we have to understand the difference between marketing and sales, right? Um, mm. There's a big distinction between the two and not everyone's completely clear on it. So marketing opens the door, sales closes it. Okay, in a right. sense. Okay, so marketing is how do you get in front of the person you're going to sell to? Yeah. Right. Networking and referrals is marketing. Okay, understood. Cold yeah. calling, cold calling is pretty much pure sales. Right. Right. The more marketing, the more credible you are, the warmer the marketing before you start the sales. Often, less sales you need to do. Yes. Correct. We've all known it. Everyone listening to this will have had somebody refer them by someone they know, like and trust. And literally the deal's done because the marketing, the referral was so powerful. We'll also have people who may have cold called and, you know, it's a lot harder work. 
So that might answer a bit of the, the question uh, because people were coming to me warm and I, yeah. I hadn't done sales training. So it wasn't such a factor. If you're doing more sales, you've got to be better at sales. Interesting. And so how did that translate into what you're, what you're now doing and what you've been working? Yeah. With? So, so again, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was in this networking group um, and the, the group is very, very structured. BNI is a very, very structured format where they build yeah. groups, they do elements of training. And so I, I was asked to become one of their direct consultants. So I used to build the groups, train them. At the same time, I was still in real estate. But the interesting thing is deep down me, I'd always loved the idea of training. I always loved being you know, around groups of people. Um, and so it was, it was actually a, 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 an unexpected transition when the real estate thing fell apart. And uh, the, the, the guy that owned BNI in the region turned around and said, oh, have you heard about this thing called incentive? Uh, and incentive is what I do now. Uh, and basically, I've been seen doing this stuff. People saw me as natural and I transitioned into that. So to, to cut the long story short, I'm now able to uh, enable other people to build their business through the tools that I picked up over the years. And the thing is, this is yeah. the challenge, Andrew, is with networking and referrals, we know it's powerful. But most people can't afford to wait 5, 10, 15, 20 years to build the contacts. They need mm -hmm. them now. They need them yeah. now. And if you want to fast track those contacts, you can't wait for time. So that's where uh, learning to do this can fast track your success. But unfortunately, not everybody wants to learn. Well, that's the challenge, isn't it? Because a lot of people or most advisors will get a good, good proportion of their new business from referrals. In most cases, they'll, they'll do a good job for the client and they'll provide value and they might be introduced to new people. Mm -hmm. But that's maybe oversimplifying and maybe not doing it in a way that's as strategic as possible. Yeah, and I think, I think there's um, a couple of things to touch on here. Uh, and I've, I've dealt with um, financial experts in the past. Um, but one thing I've always recognized is the service that's offered by the people listening to this podcast is fundamentally important. But the, the, one of the things I've noted with a lot of the advisors I've spoken to is their relationship or their referral marketing probably goes as far as how do I get referrals from my prospect? Uh, I'm speaking to this person and through whatever learning they've done, they try and generate five opportunities from that prospect and, and they follow up with them. But more than anything, I mean, there are tons of people in your industry that can advise you on how to cleverly get referrals from existing clients or from prospects. So I'm not going to go there. What I would suggest is there's another seven places we can get referrals from who are not clients and not prospects. That is what most financial advisors are missing out on. Okay, that's a very interesting point because, as we know, the, the vast majority are getting referrals from their clients and they may be able to improve that. They may be doing a great job already. But what you've touched on there is a completely new area for a lot of people in terms of how else they can get referrals. Mm -hmm. So do you want to go into a bit more detail about what you mean? Yeah, by I mean, that? I'd love to go into detail. Um, if we've got another 60 hours, I'll, I'll give you the whole <laughs> strategy. But unfortunately, that's how long one of my programs takes. Um, but, but, you know, without listing each one of them for obvious mm. reasons, because there's more important things to cover, I feel. Um, but there are other ways of working. Now, some of those other ways financial advisors may have knowledge of. So, you know, introducers being one, right? So you have introducers, yeah. paid introducers. That's another referral source. Um, and there, there are others. Um, it's, number one, it's broadening that. But I think the challenge is when anyone's giving referrals, there is, it's a hard conversation for the referrer to have. It's yeah. hard for them to open up a conversation. You see, when you get referrals, right, there's kind of three, kind, there's three levels of referral. 
the first level of referral is reactive. Okay, they'll be reactive, in which case I know um, I'm talking to John over here and I say, oh, yeah, you know, um, oh, I'm so happy. I've just got all my finance sorted out. You know, I've got a new baby and now I've got them sorted out for their future. Boom. And, you know, John turns around and goes, oh, wow, that's really cool. Phil, who helped you with that? Can you refer me? That's a reactive referral. That's really, really easy for anybody to make, right? Even your introducers. My guess is most introducers will be working off that kind of referral. The other one is active. And an active is where um, the referrer has to recognize or generate an opportunity that hasn't been, you know, that hasn't been asked for, right? It's not organic. It doesn't just. It's not organic. Yeah, yeah. So in that case, you know, I'd have to literally turn around to John and say, oh, John, is that something that you're looking for? So John doesn't say, oh, Phil, refer me. What I have to do is go, oh, John, I've had this experience and I'm looking at your face. Is that something you're looking for? And John might go, uh, oh, yeah, actually, yeah. Well, that's active, but that required me as the referrer to generate that. Then I can refer. Most people yes. don't do that, right? Yeah. The other one is proactive, where John has not even, he has got no idea that I've done all this stuff. And John's mm-hmm. just somebody I met in a bar. So yeah. how do I develop that conversation as the referrer to then refer you? That's a much bigger dynamic. And so if we want to be, if we're surrounded by all these referrers and all these people, every single person listening to this call is surrounded by, I don't know, up to 150 people who know you relatively well. Yeah. Right. How do we train all those people to have a proactive conversation? Because it's awkward. Mm-hmm. Right. And not everyone's because they're not comfortable. They just don't do it. So what most advisors will be getting is probably reactive referrals, which is the first one, if any. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking into the proactive space, that's when you're asking for referrals from your clients. You know, you're proactively saying, OK, who can you refer me? Give me the names. But then there's a dynamic there where it can be more or less um, warm, so to speak. But just to, just to go over that. But I honestly feel um, that one of the bigger areas most people are missing out on referrals is one way of getting business. Now, I'm going to call this relationship marketing. Yeah. Right. Referrals is one element of relationship marketing. The other is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Right. Word of mouth is not a referral. Word of mouth is where somebody hears that you're good. So it's more about branding. Yeah. There you're talking about the individual's personal brand. So what we do is we say, oh, do you know what? Um, um, I heard this, this, guy, this guy's name keeps coming up. So they Google you or they look on LinkedIn and then they come through that platform. So as an advisor, how do we get good word of mouth? Mm, yeah, but, but that's so important. But, but not just about the business, about us as individuals. Because let's face yeah. it, if you're in a business and you've got 10 advisors, well, your competition is the guy sat next to you as well, right? So how do you be the person that gets there who's got the good word of mouth? Um, but the bad news is word of mouth goes faster if it's bad. Yeah. I think uh, it's, it's almost three times or something like that. Isn't yeah, it? The, the, the ratio is between, it's, it depends on the study you look at, but it's between three to 55. So if, <laughs> if you do a good job, people will tell about three people in their life. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's probably right. How many referrals do you get from clients? Probably one, two, three max. But if you do a bad job, yeah, every, you, they'll tell about 11 people and each of those will tell another three to five. Right? Because people love bad news, right? And that was before, mm. by the before social media. Social media, of course, yeah. Right? So people need to be controlling the the bad as much as they're focusing on the good. And in my experience, most people are not necessarily focusing on the bad. And um, 
bad word of mouth doesn't always have to be you're doing anything unprofessional. It could be just we don't make people feel comfortable. That's that's obviously an area in financial services that can be quite relevant as well, because people might be upset because their, their investments have gone down, which is no fault of the advisor. That can happen. Mm-hmm. That's true. a natural function of investments that can happen. So one of the big roles of an advisor is to manage the emotions of the clients and manage their expectations. And that mm-hmm. comes into about someone feeling bad because mm-hmm. perhaps they haven't been their expectations haven't been managed in a particular way mm. or they might just have had expectations that were unachievable or unmanageable but it does go to show that that is another factor that people have to consider yeah 100 um i mean that's um and that's very much from a client service perspective isn't it you know handling the, the the challenges and we all know if you handle a challenge well enough you can actually end up with a better client um yeah. but really from a word of mouth perspective i i think this sort of leans towards personal branding now so this is another one, yeah. right? How do you develop these opportunities yourself without referrals? Yeah. Okay. So this is how do you show up in your social groups? Which social groups are you in? Which networks are you in? And how are you how are you building those those relationships yourself? Um, and this is where you might lean towards networking, what people call networking, right? Walking into a group yeah. of people, shaking hands. Um, but first of all, networking is not just walking into a into a networking group that's called networking and exchanging business cards. Networking is what you do in your rugby club. Out with your yeah. mates, out with your family, out with your friends. That's all networking, but it's, it's got different requirements to it. Mm-hmm. And then it's about how do you show up? Well, you know, then the questions are, of course, particularly in finance, Andrew, because uh, finance, you're asking someone to literally trust you with their life. Yeah. Right. And we all know people that have lost life savings. We all do. It's in my family. It's in my wife's family. We all know it. So when we're asking someone to trust us with their life savings and the future of the kids and all that, they are looking at every single aspect of you to see if you're trustworthy or not. Yeah. So and that we ties are, into um, the branding and you have to make you sure. Go, that right? and, that, and that's our personal yeah. presence. Exactly. And, and we all have a personal brand, whether we like mm-hmm. it or not. And that brand is what they, they believe we are. And so people, people are making judgments, fair to say, on every single time they see us, hear us, yeah. um, hear of us, look at our website, um, the way we communicate on the phone, the way we turn up on a thing. And, and unfortunately, this is one of the mistakes I made years ago um, when I moved to the UAE because I came from recruitment. Professional was wearing a, a three-piece suit. Yeah. It was not wearing uh, a blazer and trousers. You know, it was not wearing short sleeve shirt. It was had to be tie. Had to, that was professional. You you know, you were quick, you were fast, you that sort of stuff. But what I realized coming to the UAE and it became very apparent is very few people cared about that. Yeah. It was more as like it was more as, as long as I'm okay. It was more about the way I helped. I helped people felt about me. Right. You know, was I sympathetic? Did I sell too hard? Did I push too hard? Was I too aggressive? Um, and it wasn't. And so hence my personal journey journey to help my personal brand was to go and spend a fortune on NLP disc yeah. and my own my own demons, which was causing me to fire up and, and, and drive at the wrong time. That's mm. nothing to do with wearing a suit <laughs> yeah. and, being, and knowing my products and service. People were buying me because of other things. And so that's why, you know, when we're looking at our, per, our, our own personal growth, it's not necessarily just looking at the obvious stuff. It's whatever gets yeah. people to be comfortable with us. And, and on top of that, personal brand is things like turning up late, not returning a phone call, 
yeah. what you post on social media. You know, what car you drive, is it too expensive, too cheap? So many things you have to consider and take into account. There's mm -hmm. an interesting point you made about the way you make people feel. And mm -hmm. there's, there's often a very big focus on what you can do for people and how you can add value. But when you turn that slightly onto how you're making them feel, the emotions that you're evoking in them, that probably ties back into how likely you are to get referrals from them, how amenable they are to referring people to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, yeah. In fact, there, there, there's a lot of statistics done by, um, I think HBR did some stats on this as well and some of the bigger companies, but there's definitely one by a company, uh, um, um, a magazine called Rough Notes, mm -hmm. uh, 1998, if I remember correctly. Uh, it's an insurance right. magazine. And they looked at statistics. Um, I mean, number one, the way people feel about you is going to have a big, a big impact. But what they actually looked at in this study was, um, what was, what was the efficiency difference between get, doing cold calling and getting referrals? So a cold calling in their stats showed that a cold call had a one in 20 hit rate, right? Yeah. Um, whereas referrals had a one in six chance of conversion. So that's a 300% increase in conversion. The more referrals you can get as opposed to cold calling, it's more efficient, right? Mm -hmm. but, yeah. You know, how are, we, how are we leveraging these opportunities ourselves, right? So then you could double your impact. But the thing is getting referrals, there's, there's a knock-on effect. And the knock-on on the study was that referred clients stayed with you two to three times longer. That's interesting. So right? that's, that's something that people might not have considered. Not even considered, right? But, and it, you can argue it's because, you know, you're leveraging somebody else's relationship or it's a smoother entry point or whatever two to three yeah. times longer. Here's another thing. They'll buy from you three to four times more in the first year. Really? You want another yeah. one? <laughs> Let's have it. <laughs> <laughs> Referred clients are two and a half times more likely to re-refer you. Interesting. So each yeah, referred client on statistically could double your business. We can exponentially grow our business in terms of from existing clients and from future referrals by getting more referrals. So do we have a strategy around leveraging every opportunity for referrals and not just clients? Mm. And that's, that's where I think it comes down to where the vast majority of people will be getting referrals and they'll be aware of it and they'll be utilizing it, but perhaps they won't have the strategy as an effective process as maybe they ought to. What would you say, what, what guidance would you give to people? And obviously I'm, I'm asking, uh, a very broad question that so much goes into, but mm. if you were to pick maybe one or two tips to people who and wanted to have a better process and strategy, what would you suggest for them? Well, my, my, my number one is, is, is you could say semi-obvious and that's to go and learn how to do it. Yeah. You know, at, at the end of the day, you know, if you want to do, if you want to get better at sales, you go to a sales coach, you know, if you want to get better at yeah. networking, what about all referral marketing, what do people do? Nothing. <laughs> or they might do a, you know, a one hour, two hours, you know, session in house from somebody who understands it, you know? So number one, if you're really serious about this, accept that it's a skill and a science. It's not just something you fumble through and do a quick course for an hour or two. That's a serious tip. Um, on the flip side, you know, it's, it's really just look at yourself, um, you know, and, and understand that it's not just about the referral. The referral is the first contact, right? So yeah. what's important is who is referring you? What's their credibility? Yeah. 
because you're picking up on that. And it, let's face it, if they're not necessarily that credible, you get tarnished with that. Of course, yeah. If they're highly credible, there's more chance you'll convert the deal quicker. The training of that individual on how to open up opportunities, recognize for it, for you, deliver it, warm it up, uh, follow up. I mean, there's a whole science around that. So, and that's yeah. the training aspect. But the other thing is to recognize that once you've been referred, particularly if it's someone's life, they're going to check you out online. Yeah. And what do they find? Is, you know, is your Facebook clean and, and, and professional? Because if you're sitting there doing something that's not considered professional, could that impact the, you know, the sale? Is your LinkedIn polished? You know, when they get to LinkedIn, do you just have no photo, no header, you know, because that puts doubt in your mind, right? So, yeah. you know, are your shoes polished? I know, I knew a guy operated in, um, in, in Asia and for him, he'd always had it drummed into him by his dad. You know, if they have dust on their shoes, never do business with them. Uh, that's that's a bit of a you know a bit of a, a comical one in the in the UAE because there's so much sand. We've always got dust on our shoes. But 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 the, but, but, the, but the point is, everyone's going to have their own equivalent of dust on your shoes. Yeah, you know, whether they're going to have their own parameters. Yeah, their, their own, own their own thing. Whether it's you know you've got you've got a big pen as opposed to a Montblanc. I mean, whatever it is, everyone's going to have their own little uh, dynamic that that turns them off. And the point is, you've got to, all these touch points have got to be have got to be shining. You can't afford to, depending on where you are in your business, particularly if you're a brand new advisor, you don't want to lose any opportunity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so important to make the most of that comes through to you and that's referred to you or recommended to you. And of course, it's also important that even if you don't engage with them straight away, you, they don't come on board as a client straight away, but that you maintain contact. You might have value that you can give to them over a period of time through your newsletters, through your, and then eventually that builds trust with them as well. So it's important to position yourself in such a way that you, you have that expertise and that you are able to give that value. 100%. I mean, I think there's a number of aspects to that. I mean, number one, someone shared me once that I think it's 20 to 30% of people will buy from you when you meet them. And there's going to be another 20% ish that will never buy from you, no matter what you do. And in between that is what we're talking about here, which is those that yeah. could, when they're ready or will be turned on or off by what you, what they see. So that's really what we're talking about. Isn't it? That little niche in there. And what yeah. you very rightly said there is, you know, staying in touch with people. So number one, when they're ready to buy, they can, but of course most people don't have the discipline to do that or they don't have the tools to stay in touch. Um, and there are some great sales stats. I think it's um, if you and, and again, this is where a lot of people mess up with networking, right? Because networking yeah. is not walk in, give me a business card, and sell at the person. Okay, that's cold call, that's cold calling face to face. You know, networking is what happens after that. So you exchange the business card, and where do you go after that? And obviously, and and if people are approaching networking in that manner, well, I mean, just from sales stats, if you were to sell at a hundred people in the room. All are in the market for what you're selling. Statistically, only one to two percent would buy from you, right? So you set, you've got a hundred prospects. So yeah. let's say this is now networking. There's a hundred people in the room, and you try and sell at a hundred people in the room. Well, number one, you're not going to get around a hundred people in the room. You'll get around twenty to thirty if you're lucky, right? Yeah. So if one or two would buy from you, from a hundred. What's the chances someone's going to buy from you for the 10 or 20 you get around in a networking event? Pretty much zero, right? Yeah. But if you sell at everybody, I mean, everyone on this call will have had somebody sell at them at a networking event, correct? 
Everybody. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, everybody. And I know I used to do it until I knew better because that's what my boss told me to do because he didn't understand networking. <laughs> right? You know, he was like, go to a networking event, get as many business cards as you can and then follow up with them all. And it was just horrible. I didn't want to do it, hated it. And I didn't have a lot of success. Right. And that's the thing with some networking events. You end up having uh, you know, 50 people who are all trying to sell to each other and no one's yeah. looking to build a relationship. No, no one's, one's buying, to... right? Yeah, absolutely. yeah, so you've got everyone's telling at each other, no one's listening. So the point is you need to realize that that first touch, that first conversation is not about selling. It's about building up a second conversation. And they may never buy from you, by the way. They could refer to you or further down the line. So the thing is, though, and this is the important thing, if you sell, if someone sells at you straight away and they're quite aggressive with it or they're not listening, what do you want to do? You want to see that person again, Andrew? It's out the window, isn't it? It's they're they're gone. It's like, oh, my God, it's that horrible person that sold at me. Next time I'll run away. So you may have done that to 30 people. You may, if you're super lucky, close one deal. But the other 29 will have nothing to do with you. That means they won't buy from you. They won't refer you. And you've got bad word of mouth. Yeah. But you may get one deal if you're really lucky. That's, but you've damaged your brand. You've not the yeah. exponential. So what we need to recognize is most people will buy from you between the fifth and 12th contact. Yeah. Fifth and 12th contact. So that's if we're going to go networking, you know, if we're going to follow up with clients, if we're going to whatever these relationship thing is, if we can if we can if we can stay in touch with them between five and 12 contacts, being professional being interested in them yeah. without being inappropriate, they will buy when they're ready. And that's a really key factor, isn't it? The timing is very important when you're trying to convert people and when you're trying to engage with people. Absolutely. And, and things we may not know what's going on in their life, right? So we just, mm-hmm. and that's why I think it's so much more, you know, these days empathy is such a powerful tool, particularly during COVID, right? You know, I mean, this yeah. is coming, you know, we're doing this towards the end of COVID, just in case anyone listens to this five years down the line. Um, touch wood, Phil, touch wood. Yeah, well, fingers crossed that. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, and that's the thing, though, you know, during COVID, was it an appropriate thing to be heavily selling at people? Uh, and so, it's, you know, depending on what's going on in people's lives, sometimes we just have to be that little bit empathetic. And that also comes when we're networking and when we're in the prospecting stage. You know, it's finding yeah. about them. How can you help them? What's going on in their lives? You know, it's basically relationship building. Yeah. And it comes back to the point you made before about how you make people feel Absolutely. and understanding how they feel. It, it completely, mate. Uh, it, 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 really, really fundamental to this. And really, I suppose a very simple example would be, you know, it, you know, if everyone here on this call, if I buy you a cup of coffee, you know, what are you going to do next time I see you? Well, Oh, I owe you a cup of coffee. You know, if you're down, if you're down the pub for a drink, you know, and I buy you a beer, what's the first thing you do? Oh, it's my round next. The thing is, yeah. though, as human beings, we need to find balance. Um, yeah. But if if I walk in, go and buy me a drink, <laughs> which is what we're basically saying when they sell buy from me, right? The, the dynamics yeah. are completely different. So what we're doing is we got to find ways of contributing to people's lives so that they in turn they're like, oh, you know, I want to be around this guy. He's helpful. He's nice. He's helped me, so I'll help him. And so it's, yeah. that, it's that social capital. But here's, here's something, actually, Andrew, we touched on earlier on. Um, there was actually a study by HBR. The, really I'm gonna, the, re, the reason I'm the Harvard Business Review and the reason I'll build to bring this up is because I did a, a training session in the UAE for a group of financial advisors a couple of years ago. And I went through the whole session. 
And I don't know if they weren't listening or I didn't explain myself well enough. But, but I talked about the eight sources of referral. And at the end of it, they could not move past clients. At the end of the session, they were still only focused on prospects and clients for referrals. All the other six, seven I talked about went out the window. And I don't know why. They just kept coming back to this one. And I think that's because the only thing they knew, the only thing they were yeah. comfortable with, and the only thing they had training around. But here's a dynamic there was a study with HBR um, and they, they actually said, if you ask 100% of your clients for referrals, if now, and this is where financial services tend to be good because they will ask. Yeah. Most people won't ask. Most professions don't ask. Right. So here they are. If you ask hundred percent, how many would actually say, yes, we'll refer you. That's an interesting question. Right. And it's obviously very reflective on someone's business and their approach as well, because you'd hope it's a very high percentage because if not, if you're not doing a good job for them, if you've not built that trust and that value for them to make them want to refer you, then that would be a bit of a concern. But uh, so what, what's the, what's the answer? Well, there you go. Right. And uh, so th th there was a number of studies, right. They did on this. Uh, yeah. So we're just sort of talking about one, but there was something like 84% of people said, yeah, we'll refer you based on the customer service. Right? Yeah. We'll refer you. Right. Interestingly, yeah. how many people wouldn't. Right. And here's the thing. A lot of people won't refer you because from a point, it's almost being selfish. I don't want you to be helping anyone else. I want you to look after me. <laughs> you know, if I, or you might work with my competition. So it's really weird, right? Um, but the other thing, the other dynamic, the biggest gap in the world is between what we say and what we do. Uh, and so the actual, when it actually came down to referring, only about 33% actually did. So 84% they were, 33% did. And here's the thing, right? How many of them actually converted into opportunities? Right. So we got three levels, the 100, the 84, the 33. Um, yeah. So what it was, was um, in the IT industry, which was the main focus, I think it was 11. Sorry. Uh, it was 15 percent. I think 15 percent actually converted into conversations. Right. Financial services was 11 percent. Right. So lower than right? average. 11. So here's the here's the here's the whole delusion. People think clients are the best referral source. Because for most people, it's the only one they really have any strategy around. So if it's my best because that's where I get my referrals. Well, that's probably because you don't know about the others yet. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If you ask 100, you'll get 11. Most people don't ask 100. So what's the reality? Yeah. And that's, that's a really interesting thing when you, when you talk about those different numbers. So from 100, you're already down to 84. Who would? Then you're down to 33% who do. And then you're down to 11% that actually, which from what was 84 people who would refer you is a huge drop. Do you think that comes down to a, a shyness or a apprehensiveness to ask for referrals? I think this goes back to what we were talking about at the, at the beginning, which is the uh, reactive, active, proactive. And yeah. people may want to refer us, but they don't know how. Right. So that's a really interesting point is, helping people understand how to refer you, helping them understand whether they're likely to be a reactive, active or proactive referrer. Yeah. And therefore how the different categories yeah, is going to if, refer someone yeah. to you. Because if someone's reactive, then all you do is introduce, right? But it's not yeah. just, there is other, uh, but then 
you know, if you really care, there's ways of helping, helping that convert, right? So that, again, there's a, there's a training behind that. Active, there's going to be a slightly different training because you have to train people how to open a conversation. And proactive is a completely different level altogether. So it's not only knowing what you do, it's how to recognize opportunities, how to open conversations. In effect, it's training your referral source how to do a gap conversation for you. Yeah. Right? Imagine right. that. So now imagine your network is trained to have a gap conversation for you before they introduce you. Whoa, yeah. now what could happen? And okay. when, you, when you talk about the, uh, you know, how you make people feel and the empathy, that's how people buy. But when someone's referring you, they might say, speak to my financial advisor, he, he, man, he does my investments, for example. But a better way or a more effective way might be the example you gave at the beginning where you might say, he's taking care of me on this front. Now I don't have to worry about this. Now I'm excited about retirement. Now I'm all sorted for uh, the kids' university. So it's looking at how people refer you, understanding the best way for them to do that. Yeah, and then training them. And you see, I'm, I'm actually involved with, um, a, a, you know, a centre, which is um, what we do is we specialise in, here's the thing, right? You, the person listening to this, you, if you take training yourself on developing referrals, okay, you can be reasonably successful. The magic only happens when your network is trained. Yeah. So who's training them? But, you know, so to train your network how to refer you better, if you want them to do efficiently, what makes a centre difference is they specialize in training your network. Interesting. How do they get you either to do it yourself yeah. or get it trained? And they have programs where you bring your network in and they get trained. So anyone that's listening to this, obviously I'm based in the UAE. There's a, there's a whole community in the UK of fantastic consultants. So if anyone does want you in the UK and you want to get connected, feel free. I can, I can point you in that direction. And then you've got someone in your region. Um, yeah. But well, I'll, I'll put your all your contact details in the show notes, Phil. So if anyone wants to understand more, if they want to hear more about what you do and hear more oh, about how they can improve on these, they can get in touch with you. Is there anything that you think, uh, just to, to sort of finish off and finalise, any s summary points that you want to add in there? Anything that people really need to just, what their key focus can be? I, th I think it's just two elements. Is I, I remember being the top salesperson in all the businesses I worked in. Right. I remember training a networking group on how to network. And then when I got introduced to Ascentive, I was quite arrogant. I was like, yeah, what can you teach me? I've developed all my business by networking and referrals. I've been successful. I've even taught this stuff. What can you teach me? Right. And then when I sat there and I found out what they could do, I realized I literally knew nothing. <laughs> right. So all I would say to people is if you have been successful, there's a completely different level, another level. And you can do that on your own and do, but just accept the fact this is science. That would be that would probably be the big one. Uh, you can be as you, you only know you don't know what you don't know, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate that, Phil. There's been so much value for people to take from what we've discussed. You know, from the different types of referrals: reactive, active, and proactive. From focusing on your personal brand as well as the actual value you're providing to clients, and focusing on how you're making people feel focusing on empathizing with them. I think all of these things are really key for people to understand and think about and learn about more when they're trying to build up the referrals they get into their business. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much sure. That. And here's, here's my last message, I think, if, you, if you're okay with that. And this will be my message to anyone. Um, at the end of the day, whether you work for a company or not, you ultimately work for yourself, right? If you're not successful, you don't have a job. 
If you're successful, you keep the job, right? It's, ultimately, that's the thing, right? <laughs> and, and I remember working for a real estate company and I wanted to skill up, right? I recognized gaps. Um, yeah. and my, com- my company would not invest in training. So I went out and spent $4,000 on my own training, right? So the reason was I realized if I wanted to be successful, I had to pay for it myself because they wouldn't. Yeah. Don't, don't ever let anyone hold you back. If you really want to do this learning, be more successful and your company won't chip in, do it yourself. It's your life, not theirs. You're either on your own life's path or someone else's. Very valuable words there, Phil. Really appreciate your time, Phil. For everyone listening, if you'd like to hear more about what Phil does and how he can help generate more business for you and your true referrals, all of the contact details are in the show notes of the podcast. And I definitely recommend taking a look. He's also written some great books that can offer great value in this area. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please do share with your colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. If you have any feedback or suggestions of what you'd like to hear on future episodes, please do let us know. Thanks very much for listening.